0: All right, cool. Man, uh, I, I love the movie. I had to go a little bit 90s uh, to reflect it for you today. But uh, man, we got any Michael Jordan fans in the house? No? Yeah. Oh, Not bad, not bad. Okay, but for real though, I got to have a little bit of uh, participation here. All right, can you guys agree with me real fast? I need some participation. I promise I won't laugh at you too loud. Um, but so here's what, here's what I need. Uh, I know that a lot of people consider Michael Jordan to be the GOAT. Uh, in other words, the greatest of all time basketball player. But I, I, I want to bring it to you guys and let the, the real people decide. All right, so I, I need, I need a, uh, a survey here. We've got, uh, I'm going to give you three options. If you think it's outside of these three options, then I'm sorry. But I'm going to give you guys three options and we'll see what you guys think. There is a right answer. Greatest of all time, who's the GOAT? Well, I'm going to give you three options. I'm going to give you options first. We've got LeBron James. We've got Kobe Bryant. We've got Michael Jordan. Not even the same that, was, that, was not, that was not nice. He said not even in the same breath. My guy here is <laughs> throwing shade. All right. So LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan. Let's start it off. I need a show of hands. The greatest of all time, LeBron James. We got one. We got a one. All right, all right. That's bravery. That's bravery. Oftentimes it takes the first person to raise their hand so that everybody knows that they're not going to get made fun of. All right, number two. We got greatest of all time, the GOAT, Kobe Bryant. All right, we got somebody. All right, back here. Back here. Two, three. All right. We got three or four out there. Man, first service, Kobe Bryant pulled a lot better than he did in this service. All right. Uh, let's, let's add a fourth category in there. Other. We got one, two. We got a couple. All right. Michael Jordan. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, I will let you in on my obviously unpopular opinion. Uh, well, first of all, this if you said LeBron James, I'm sorry, Hooven. Uh, it's, it's just a no-go. But, uh, man, I, I consider Kobe Bryant, the GOAT, the greatest of all time. Uh, who else put up 81 points in a single game? Uh, let's, just, let's just see. Uh, I, I, think that's, I think that's what's up, and you'll see a little bit of why I think that even a little bit later on. But a lot of people consider uh, Jordan to be the GOAT. The greatest of all time basketball player showed up in this room, showed up in the last service when I pulled there, too. Uh, greatest of all time. Uh, in fact, he even had the tied for, uh, well, actually, no, It was, at the time, the greatest record in a single season of all time. Most wins in a single season. Uh, That was recently just broken. Uh, But a lot of people consider him the greatest of all time. But uh, what's actually kind of funny is that as a head of an organization, he's actually, I don't know if you know this, he's owned uh, a couple organizations. He owns an organization right now, a basketball organization. And as a head of an organization, he's widely considered one of the worst Uh, just absolutely terrible. Uh, I'm telling you, he came into an organization that was doing all right and posted, you know, now think about this, he's got the best record of all time, right? He he has the single season best record of all time, and he posted the worst record of all time with seven wins and 59 losses. Seven wins and 59 losses. Uh, But but here's the deal, Uh, there's a difference between being on the court and being the guy in charge, and and I want to pull your attention to something real fast. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to talk a lot lot of basketball here at the beginning, but I promise I'm going to get to some Bible uh, here in a second. Uh, Who here knows how many championships Michael Jordan won? Six? 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 All right. Six. It's a lot of championships. That is a lot of championships. Uh, More than Kobe Bryant, I will give him that. More championships than Kobe Bryant. Uh, But... Here's the deal. While he was there, uh, he played for the Bulls, won six championships there. There's somebody that I don't think gets enough credit for his time spent at the Bulls. Uh, and uh, it's this guy, and not a lot of people know his name. It's Phil Jackson. Anybody here know heard the name Phil Jackson before? Phil Jackson was the coach of the Bulls for all six of those championships. And you know what is actually kind of interesting? Before Michael Jordan ever won uh, a championship, he played on the Bulls for six years, and he was very good. He was dominant during those six years. He, 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 he played. He was putting up great numbers, doing awesome, and you know what? The first full season that the Bulls brought this new guy in, this coach, Phil Jackson, they won the championship, as they did the next year and the next year, be, becoming the first team in the modern era to do what we call a three-peat, and then uh, Michael Jordan took a couple of years off. He came back. Phil Jackson and Michael Jordan, again, they three-peat. One more time, uh, the second time that it's ever been done in history. Both the same uh, couple people. Uh, Then Phil Jackson, this head coach guy, uh, he gets forced out of the Bulls because they didn't like him and Michael Jordan didn't even like him. And he gets picked up by the Los Angeles Lakers, who Kobe Bryant, uh, the GOAT, had been playing for for quite a while, uh, for, for for a few years rather, and also dominating the league had never won a championship. What happens in Phil Jackson's very first full year as a head coach? Championship. And the next year, championship. And the next year, championship. Another three-peat. Another three-peat. So so all this to say, Phil Jackson may be the GOAT. And even even get this, uh, in Phil Jackson's 20 seasons, as an NBA coach, head coach, he won the NBA finals 11 times. Over half of the seasons that he coached, he won the championship. That's like better than the flip of a coin. It's like, I'll take Phil Jackson's odds to win the NBA finals over the odds of heads. <laughs> like, uh, kind of interesting there, but Phil Jackson was a great coach, more than 50% title winning percentage and interesting big time winners, some people consider them the greatest of all time, neither Kobe nor Michael Jordan liked Phil Jackson. Neither one of them. They both hated him. Michael Jordan forced Phil Jackson out of the bulls. Kobe Bryant forced Phil Jackson out of the Bulls, and then uh, they started losing and uh, turned around and begged them to go get him back. (laughs) He was like, oh, no, we don't need this guy. They fire Phil Jackson. They get him out of there. And then a few years later, Kobe Bryant is leading the charge to get that guy back at the helm of the team. Why? Well, uh, they didn't like being coached by Phil Jackson. Uh, Phil Jackson was known for pioneering this this offense known as the triangle offense. You don't need to know much about this. All you need to know is that the triangle offense is pass, 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 pass until somebody gets a very easy shot. That's the triangle offense. He brought this to the Bulls, and Michael Jordan hated him because he was taking the ball out of the star's hands, right? Nobody gets paid the big bucks or gets the shoe contract or, uh, or uh, become, is called the GOAT for uh, an easy layup off of a pass right? It's, it's, it's the 360 jump from the three-throw line posterized dunk that gets you the GOAT title, right? So neither of these players, they didn't like him because they didn't like what he was bringing to the table. His, his game was pass, 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 get the ball into somebody else's hands and let the easy bucket happen. Now, Kobe obviously came to like him and that's why I think he's the GOAT because he was able to make the decision to win, all right? But uh, They didn't like him, and it leads me to this one thought, and this is actually, uh, as we get into uh, the Bible, as we jump into it, I want, if you only think of, can take one thought out of this whole message, if you're like, I'm only going to take one thing, I want you to think about this. Being coached isn't fun, but winning is. Being coached isn't fun, but winning is. This is the greatest coach of all time. He's good at what he does. He's good at being a a coach, the players didn't like him. They didn't like being coached until they realized, hey, well, it's at least more fun to win. So they go back out and they get him back, right? It's, it's, uh, being coached isn't fun, but winning is. We're about to jump into the Bible here. But before we do, I want to say right now, it's time to lean in. All right? It's time to, to get on the edge of your seat because as we, as we jump into the Bible, the word of God, uh, I believe that the creator of the universe wants to speak to you this morning. So whether I talk about basketball stats the entire time or say something eloquent, uh, the Creator of the universe, as we look into the Bible and as we open His Word, He has already spoken and He's ready to speak to you this morning. All right. So open your heart, lean in, and let's go. All right. We're going to be in the Book of Proverbs, chapter 27, and uh, it goes like this. It says, "Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of friends. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy." One who is full loathes honey, but to one who is hungry, everything bitter is sweet. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. Now, this book of Proverbs, it's it's well known uh, to be what we call a book of wisdom, Right? In other words, that th- these are principles laid out here on how to live a good Christian life. These are the kinds of things that if you can live by these, uh, these like, uh, principles, they lead to, it's like A plus B equals C, they lead to a, a good life, a successful life, a, a good relationship with God. These are wise things to do, wise ways to live your life. Right? So when we look at these principles, that's how we look at them. And I want to look at this last, let's start from the end and work our way back. This last statement in there says, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. And if you actually look back at the, the, the direct translation, uh, anybody have fun with direct translations? They can be really funny sometimes. But uh, the direct translation of this is actually reads something more like, uh, As iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen the face of another. <laughs> it's kind of interesting, but uh, when you actually look back at the culture, they had a habit of... Uh, kind of personifying ideas, of taking like uh, kind of abstract concepts and and, like giving them uh, human uh, characteristics. So like deep feelings, deep like love and things like that, like things we attribute to like the heart, like we do this too, right? We know we don't love from our heart, but we talk about it that way. They would say, oh, man, it's in my gut, from the depths of my bowels. I I love this person. It hurts me in here. I I love them so much. And now they actually did the same thing with this word face. The face actually represented uh, personality, uh, represented your emotions, your feelings. It represented uh, your your way of viewing things, right? Your, Your face represented personality, thoughts, and emotions, so when, when this writer is saying that one man sharpens the face of another, he's actually saying like the, the, the personality and the thoughts and the emotions of, of another person are, are sharpened by interpersonal relationship. This whole passage is talking about interpersonal relationships. It's talking about uh, your friendships. It's talking about your family. It's talking about your joy group. It's talking about when you come in here and you sit next to somebody and they smell a little bit. It's talking about, no, I'm just kidding. Nobody in here smells. I'm just, I'm just playing with you. Uh, it, it's talking about interpersonal relationships. And it's saying that, man, those relationships, when when people are next to each other, iron sharpens iron. You, they grind on each other. And the, and one man sharpens the personality and the thoughts and the emotions of another. Now, our, our culture is, is moving uh, in, in a direction of this, this thing that we would call the face, right, that the Hebrews would have called the face, the, the personality, the thoughts, and the emotions of a person. We, we're, we're living in a culture right now that's elevating our, per, our thoughts and our emotion and our personality to kind of the height of who we are and the height of what is right and wrong, right? So we've got this, this, this idea that your personality and your, your thoughts and your emotions are the epitome of morality. They are the, the idea of goodness, now, don't get me wrong, feelings and experiences and emotions, they're great, but they're not the height of our moral compass, all right? Uh, they're good, but they're not the height of morality, justice, and goodness, and they're important. Uh, don't get me wrong here. Nothing ever was built that anybody was proud of without passion, without emotion, without, without feeling, without, without that, 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 that like, putting that piece of yourself into it. Nothing good was ever made. All right? Our passions, our emotions, our feelings, our experiences, they're a big part of what makes us who we are. And that's the reason that when something comes up and it grinds against it, and when, when somebody comes in and they, 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 they rub us the wrong way, when somebody comes in and they, 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 they try to shape us a little bit, that's why it hurts so much. Because our personality and our thoughts and our emotions are so central to who we are as people. So when someone comes in, they said, hey, I, I understand that the way that you uh, th- th- that you look at the Bible and you read it and that this part doesn't apply to you or that this part's like antiquated a little bit. And I, I understand that you kind of think that this is like not specifically for you, so you don't really have to do it. But actually, in reality, uh, this is the truth and, and this is the way we live our life and this is how you should do it. And, and it Maybe you should like change this behavior here. Maybe you should change this thought here. Maybe you should uh, maybe sharpen this skill over here. And it hurts. It feels like something's grinding against our face. Just as one man, just as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens the face of another. When people come in and coach us, it feels like our face is being pushed up against the grinding wheel. Now, the Bible, it says this. says that real friends... Uh, what, we, what we later come to know in the, in the Bible, in the New Testament, is like discipleship relationship. The Bible here says that, that real friends, uh, when we are in these kinds of relationships, our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions, our, our, our personalities, they grind against each other. And as a result, the areas of imperfection, the areas of, of weakness... Uh, the areas where where there's something that doesn't quite line up, right? The the areas where there's like a little spur off to the side, the the funky behaviors, the the things like this. It says when we get into discipleship relationship, those things begin to grind off and be pushed back into place. All right? So what we're talking about here is we're talking about having people in our life, discipleship relationships we call them uh, in, in Christianity, we're talking about having people in your life that can grind against your face. We're talking about having people in your life that can, that can shape you and mold you and, and, and change the way you see things and change your thoughts and your personalities and your, and your emotions and, and can, can actually have an impact in these personal areas of your life. We're talking about having a coach. We're talking about having somebody that comes in and even though you don't like what they're saying, is saying the right thing, right? We're talking about having... A coach, but a coach is worth nothing if you cannot be coachable. Uh, and, and so I want to talk this morning about the three confessions of the coachable, uh, of people that can be coached. They make these three confessions about themselves. And a confession just means, hey, I'm, I'm admitting this about myself. I'm, I'm agreeing with this about myself. So if you can make these three confessions of the coachable, then you can be coached. Right? The first confession of the coachable is, I'm not the best that I can be. I'm not the best that I can be. And, and, and in theory, this sounds right, right? Because we all know, like, oh, yeah, I can always improve. Yeah, like, oh, I, I know that I'm not the best that I can be. This is, an easy, this is like an easy thought to have. But when we think about it in practice, it's not so easy of a thought, Right? Uh, It's not, like making, saying that I'm not the best I can be is easy, but talking about where you're not the best you can be is not, all right? And and, and in practice, we have a hard time telling people our faults, and you may think, oh, no, I don't, but you do, and here's here's proof, here's proof. We all have these things. There are fake faults. Anybody have your fake faults? If if you've ever been in what we call a joy group or a Christian small group uh, or any group of friends ever that's actually real with each other sometimes, uh, you will have heard these fake faults. And I guarantee that you have given some of these fake faults. All right? And so so what is a fake fault? We use fake faults to look transparent when we don't want to be right? So, so fake faults are all what we used to look transparent when we don't want to be. We, we, we're like in a, let's say we're in a joy group, and, we, and we're talking about things. You're like, yeah, I'm just not the best I can be. You know, I could really use to be more generous sometimes. Like, where there's somebody on the side of the road that needs money, and I only give them money like half the time. I could just really use to be more generous uh, with my time and with my money, uh, when in reality, you're like yelling at your wife before you go to bed every night, right? You're like, man, I could really use to be, oh, yeah, you know, I just, I, I struggle with gluttony sometimes. Like, I had two pieces of cake yesterday. It's like, in, in reality, you're like gambling away your family's life savings. Uh, on, in, like, on the whatever it is, the Mill Casino, far away, driving away so nobody recognizes you. But you know what I mean? Like, you've got these deep personal issues. You've got things that you really need to work through. You've got personality issues. You've got belief issues. You've got thought issues. You've got feeling issues that are really actually wrecking your whole life. And you're in a group talking with people that maybe could actually do something about it. And then you're, and then you're like, yeah, but you, you know what? I struggle with pride sometimes. Like, I'm just too good. <laughs> like i I struggle with telling people how good I am, you know like like it, it's a hard time, but in reality, we have these fake faults and, and, and when we when we have these fake faults, we're not making the confession that I'm not the best I can be right we're not really making that confession all right uh what we we say things like this, you know, I was recently having a hard time with uh this thing and and, and this is what I've been doing recently to, to overcome it, right? This is the other fake fault that we, that we show, right? So we'll get in a group and we'll be like, man, recently, it, a, a little while ago I was struggling with this, but I've, I've overcome it and here's how I've done it, right? When still in the, in the background you've still got the same old dirty, rotten, broken issues that you are ever had, right? I, I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, he says this when he's talking uh, in, in the book, The Problem of Pain. He says, Every person has in the back of their mind this, 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 this one thing that they've done. Every person has this, this one thing. And this, it's this thing, it's this place in their soul that's so dark and so, and, and so devastating and so embarrassing and so, so, so wrong that they would never, ever admit to it. And, and that, that they would say to themselves, even, even person X who is so dirty and gross and, and even person X who is so bad would never have done what I did. We all have these faults. We all have these places in our heart that we're not willing to reveal. So we put out these fake faults. But when we, when we come to the, to the realization that I'm not the best I can be, we open up to become coachable. The confession of the coachable is I'm not the best I can be. Number two is I don't know what I don't know. Confession of the coachable. I don't know what I don't know. Uh, the best way to shut somebody down when they're investing their time in you is the I know machine gun. Anybody ever experienced the I know machine gun? Uh, this is actually something that I have to work really hard on, right? This is—I uh, i, mean, I got to be honest with you. I'm really trying to learn this. Uh, the I know machine gun is uh, will not. There's nothing in the world that will shut somebody down faster than the I know machine gun. Uh, have you ever experienced this? Maybe you've you've done it or you've heard it. Uh, it's you're trying to help somebody and you're like. Well, you, you, didn't, you did this over here, I, I know that was, that was yeah, and this over here, I know that was wrong. And you should probably do, I know, I know, I, I know that was wrong. I know that was wrong. And you never actually get to say anything, right? You've got this I know machine gun and you shut people down and shut them out before you can learn from them, right? And, and, and it really stems from two places. It stems from this place, insecurity, that I don't want them to think that I'm worse than I am. If I know, if they know that I know that I made the mistake and, and they know that I know how to fix it, then, then, then they, they won't think that I'm worse than I really am. But if, if, if they think that I don't know that it was a problem, then I'm worse than they even, that they think I'm worse than I even am. Right? you guys, You guys following me here? Uh, we've, we've got this problem with insecurity where we, we won't let anybody tell us what we did wrong because, oh, I already know. I already know it was wrong. I already know it was bad. I, I already know I should do it better. I know what to do better than this next time. And, and, and you're like, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But really, they had a little bit more for you. Yeah. But you, I knowed your way out of it. And, and the, the, the second place of this stems from, stems from insecurity, but also stems from rushing the process. From rushing the process, where you're like, No, I know I did this wrong, I know I did that wrong, I know, I know, I know, I know, but give me the one thing. Give me the thing I don't know. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, but give me the next step. I want to go deeper, I want to go higher, I want to go better. It's Michael Jordan saying, I know I should pass. I know I should pass. I know the triangle offense works. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, but when do I get to do a 360 dunk? We try to rush the process. And we're like, I, 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 know this, I know that, I know that. But really, this person saying, Hey, no, we need to slow down. We need to fix the, we need to fix this little foundation things. We need to make sure everything's, every stone's in the right place. We need to make sure we're building on the, on the right foundations. But when you, when you, I know, I know, I know. People say, Okay, you know. And you miss out on that, that chunk of wisdom that was going to take you to the next step. You miss out on that opportunity to have your face sharpened, that piece of your personality that wasn't quite. There, that piece of your belief system that was just a little bit off. You miss out on the opportunity to have your face sharpened. The coachable can sit through a hundred lessons that they've already learned in order to set the stage for the one lesson that's going to change their life. I'm going to say that again. The coachable can sit through a hundred lessons that they've already learned in order to get the one that's going to change their life. All right? The coachable admits that they don't know what they don't know. The third admission, uh, the the confession of the coachable is that I have strengths and weaknesses. It can be easy to get into the mindset that you can only be coached by somebody that is stronger than you in every single aspect of their life. You're like, well, I'm not going to let that person coach me on my prayer life. I'm way more generous than they are. I gave more to the church than them, and they're going to tell me how to pray? Like, what, what do you mean? Like I'm like so hospitable. Like people come over to my house and they have a great time and we, we talk about God and I'm evangelistic, but they're going to tell me that i got to stop yelling at my wife. Right? Uh, you, you're, you're, you, you, you lose out on the ability to be coachable when you can't admit that you have strengths and weaknesses, and so does somebody else, Our pride and insecurity, shuts us down from receiving coaches, coaching, because we feel like we have to defend ourselves. From losing face, because if everybody knows that that person's weak in this area, but sees that they're coaching me, that must imply that I'm lower than them, that I'm worse than them. Our insecurity won't let that happen. We have to, we have to step back, and we have to say no to that, and we have to recognize that I have strengths and weaknesses, as does everybody else. All right. So, so we're going to close up here pretty soon, but. Uh, we know how to receive from a coach, right? We've got, to, we've got to know that I'm not the best I can be. We've got to, we've got to uh, know that I don't know what I don't know. And, and we've got to know that I have strengths and I have weaknesses. But just because I'm coachable doesn't mean there's a coach. How do I attract a coach into my life? How do I, how do I attract somebody that's going to come in and that's going to invest in me and that's going to, to shape my personality, It's going to shape my thoughts and my emotions and the way that I live my life? How do I go from looking at somebody and saying, they have the prayer life that I want. They have the marriage that I want. They have the relationship with their kids that I want. They have the success that I want. They have they have, they have what I want. How do I go from they have what I want to that's my coach? How do we make that move to having a discipleship relationship? Now, let me just tell you, coaches love MVPs. Look at this guy, Phil Jackson, probably the greatest coach of all time. Where did he go? He went to two places. He coached in two places. He coached in Michael Jordan's Bulls, MVP, and he coached in Kobe's Lakers. All right, good coaches love an MVP. So how do we become an MVP? If you want a coach in your life, you got to be motivated. Y'all, you got to be motivated that scripture that I read a second ago says this it says one who is full loathes honey but to the hungry even the bitter is sweet if you're not hungry to grow closer in your relationship with God if you if you if you're not hungry to advance God's kingdom around you if you're not hungry for a better prayer life if you're not hungry to be more generous if you don't if you don't want that more than you want anything else you're not going to have a coach come to coach you in it Right? You've got to be motivated. It doesn't matter who comes along if you're not motivated. Jesus himself could be trying to help you and you'd loathe it. When you're full, when you know everything you need to know, when you when you don't when you don't need to get any further when you're comfortable sitting like a couch potato on the uh, on the pew and consuming the, the message that's coming in on t- to you on a Sunday morning and then you, you go home and you uh, maybe listen to worship music in the car instead of rock but like and, and that's the end of it you're just full and happy and good you're not getting the coach. No one's going to want to come invest in you. But, man, when you're hungry, when you're, when, when you're here and you're, you're on your knees, you're saying, God, I want a better prayer life. God, I, I don't want to yell at my family anymore. God, I, I, I want people around me to see the light of your love shining through me. I want, I want something to be different about who I am. I, I, like more than anything that I want in this planet, I want what you want for my life. When you're motivated, when you're hungry, even the bitter coaching yeah. tastes sweet. When somebody comes into your life and they're like, man, you stink. You're like, okay, what should I smell like? Even the bitter coaching, it, takes sweet. it tastes sweet, yeah. right? Even when somebody comes with maybe a little bit of the wrong uh, attitude and tries to help coach you, man, it still tastes sweet. When, when somebody comes and, they, and, and they, man, they really knock you down, you're going to see the coaching silver lining inside of it, man. To the hungry, everything is sweet. Yeah. But, man, the full load, honey, if you're not hungry, if you're not motivated, you could have a coach and you're not going to care the MVP is vocal. Now, not many people are going to openly offer to invest in your life, to coach you. Not many people are going to come along and be like, yo, you need a better prayer life. Right? That, that doesn't really happen very often. You know, I, I, my, my brother in law, he's an excellent golfer. Like, so good. And I am so bad. Uh, and, but I, I, I love to golf. And every time I golf, I, I get like two holes. The first two holes, so good. Like, Oh, man, so good. And then after that, I shoot, like, 200, uh, which is bad if you don't know that. Uh, And then, like, you see the guy that's, like, fixing the divot in that show. Like, that's me. Like, I dug that divot, the one that he's fixing. But I was talking to him after we were done golfing. I was like, man, I don't get it. Like, I obviously have something there that I can play. Because the first two holes, I'm always good. Like, Like, I'm great. Every time after that, trash. And he's like. And then I said it again. <laughs> and so I said it again. I was like, yeah, man, I don't know what it is about after those first two holes, but something happens. And he says, he says this. He's like, well, I can tell you what's wrong. I'm just not going to be that guy. And I was like, no, I need you to be that guy. Like, you, you are that guy. I need you to be that guy. I need you to tell me what's wrong. And he gave me some advice. And he, and he told me I'm working on it. I'm trying to get better. But, man, he, he said this. He said, I'm not going to be that guy. And I think a lot of people have this mentality. They're like, well, no, that's, that's, that's personal. I'm not going to be that guy. We don't have that relationship. And you know when you're going to have that relationship? When you ask for it. When you come up to somebody and you say, man, I see you pray. And I, I want to pray like you pray. How, can you can you teach me how to pray? Then they're going to come up and they're going to say, hey, you know what? Maybe you should maybe you should uh, pray more. Maybe you should uh, uh, maybe you should read your Bible and and get into to read the words of some people who had a really deep connection with God and, and read the Word of God into your life. Maybe maybe you should do this or that. And you're like, hey man, I really want to have a better marriage. And you, and you go to somebody and you're like, man, I, I see what you've got with your wife. I see what you've got with your husband, man. I need what you've got. Can you tell me what I'm doing wrong? And they're like, well, I saw like your wife was trying to talk to you and you kind of blew her off. So you go talk with the guy. And maybe that's a good place to start. Right? You got to be vocal. Nobody is going to just come up and ask to help you in your relationship with God. No one's going to just come up and ask. But an MVP is vocal. Also, an MVP is pliable. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. You've got to be willing to lean in to the sharpening, to the grinding on your face. You've got to be willing to lean into the, to the relationship with the person that calls you out sometimes and not just avoid them because it's hard. Yeah. You've got to be pliable. You've got to lean into their advice, lean into their correction, lean into their example. You've got to lean in. When someone gives you advice or direction on something, and they see you follow through on it, they're going to want to give you the world. Yeah. The next advice is coming, and the next advice is coming, and, and, and all the secrets that they have and all the things that they've learned are, 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 are coming upon you. And, and this is, now, now as you might be hearing me say like, oh, Christianity is all just about learning from somebody else. Man, this is the model that God put into place where you would learn how to follow him. God God didn't put this model in the place where you just say, I want to be a follower of Jesus and all all this information is downloaded into your brain and all of a sudden you know how to follow Jesus and all of a sudden you know how to pray and all of a sudden you know how to worship and you know how to be generous and you know how to have a good marriage. That's, That's not how it works. God put into this model where you would get around people and they'd start to grind on your face. And they start to say things that you don't really want to hear. And they start to tell you, hey, I noticed that thing that you're doing kind of when nobody else watches. And, man, maybe it's not really good for you. And maybe it's going to come back to bite you. And maybe they tell you that it's going to come back to bite you before it actually does. Discipleship relationship is the model that God gives us to grow in our relationship with God. So, we have to start by being pliable, and being pliable goes back to these confessions of the coachable yes. says this i'm not the best that I can be, and I don't know what i don't know and, and, and today we've talked a lot about what we call christian discipleship right We've talked about uh, like hey, once you're a christian you you you, you follow you, you like walk in the footsteps of others and you you build build up from relationship and you learn things and you grow uh, but man the The very beginning of being a Christian starts with this same confession of coachability. Starts with this, I'm not the best I can be, and I don't know what I don't know. And and, and so Jesus, he actually, the greatest coach, he comes uh, a a long time ago, and he he comes out and he says, hey, you know what, I want to invest in you, I want to coach you. and, and, And he actually says this, he pretty much says, all you have to do is admit you're not the best you can be. And yet you don't know what you don't know. In other words, I've messed up. I've missed the the mark that God has set for my life. And the only way I can figure it out is with Jesus' help. And, and, and that's why he came here and he, and he actually came to the earth and uh, he, he lived a perfect life and then uh, he actually paid the penalty for all those, all those mistakes, the, re, the ways that you're not the best that you can be, the things you've done in the past and things you're going to do in the future, uh, as you still make more mistakes, Jesus came and he actually he paid the price for that. And, and, and then he sets forward a, a path, a way for you to get connected with him and to get connected with the Father so that you don't have to live as not the best you can be. So every day you can wake up and choose to chase that best you can be, that person that God designed you to be. And, you know, every week we have people come in here that are searching for that version of themselves. Searching for the best they can be. Searching for hope, for purpose, for life, for future. And I want to tell you that it's only found in a relationship with God. And so, so this morning, I want to give you the opportunity, if you're here and you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, and never made that decision to, uh, to, to give him your life, I want to encourage everybody, if everybody could bow their heads and close their eyes, uh, I want to encourage you, if you're, the, if you're here and you're saying, you know what, I want to start this relationship with God, I want to follow Jesus, go ahead and lift your hand up so I can see it, that's awesome, that's so cool. Anybody else, I'm going to give you, yeah, so cool, so cool, I see that. Anybody else? I'm going to give you one last second because this is the best decision you can ever make. Okay. That's awesome. So here's what we're going to do. We're all going to pray together. And it's not a special prayer. It's not like magical or anything. All this is, is it's, it's a, a prayer. And if you mean it and if you live by it, it's going to change your life forever. All right. So we're all going to pray this prayer together. You guys can repeat after me. It goes like this. Dear Jesus, not the best I can be. I've messed up. Would you forgive me? Would you help me to be more like you? Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. And I believe that you died on the cross for my mistakes. Jesus, would you help me to follow you the rest of the days of my life? In Jesus' name, amen.